This week's episode of Query is sponsored by Tomboy X. <laughs> I am literally wearing a pair of Tomboy X underwear right now. And the rainbow colored. The, rain- they're, they're, uh, the colors of the rainbow. Look, friends, it's time to stop wearing underwear that doesn't make you feel confident. Undies, they got more frills and function. Underwear that is there to fem you up or butch you up, but you don't feel that way. Because Tomboy X, they got everything from bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, voice shorts, to soft bras and racerback bras. They got everyday basic colors and fun seasonal prints, all in sizes from extra small to 4X. So wherever you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody can feel comfortable in. Go to TomboyX.com query and check out their special bundles and their query pricing. Query listeners will get 15% off with the code query. Just use the code query for an extra 15% off. Ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Go to TomboyX.com query. Enjoy. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammie here. Today's guest is the amazing Jen Ruggiorello, who works at BuzzFeed doing some rad video stuff. I've been a guest on a show that she used to have on there. Anyway, this is an incredible conversation and I like this person a lot. Also, hey, if if you don't have tickets yet, guess what? Uh, my fall tour starts next week and I will be in Chicago, Ann Arbor, Louisville, Bloomington, Illinois, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, New Cumberland, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Boston. I just added Providence, Rhode Island, but I'll also be in San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Washington, Washington, D.C., and also Denver, Colorado. You can go to CameronEsposito.com slash tour or CameronEsposito.com slash tour hyphen dates. Oh, shit. They all point there. Uh, get some tickets, and I can't wait to meet you. Thank you to everybody that came to the live career taping in London. It was a blast, and everybody that came to see me perform at the Soho Theater. Loved meeting you all, and thank you for all the wonderful presents, and please enjoy this episode. I've been feeling wrong. You were just saying you're a little. I'm gonna put it just okay. a little bit. We're, we'll split the difference. You were just saying you're like a little. That this is new. Podcasting is new for you. Podcasting, yeah. This is my second podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm so honored. Oh, thank you. Well, thank no, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, on on my show, I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you Would you introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah, my name is Jen Ruggiero. I am a writer and producer. I currently work for BuzzFeed on a show called Ladylike. Um, we have our own YouTube channel, and we sort of do like content for uh, women, like people that just want to see themselves doing fun, silly things online. <laughs> yeah, we are. We do fun, silly things online. Uh, how long have you worked for BuzzFeed? It's a couple of years. I've been there a while because we yeah I we met men. But that was like that was like two years. That I was think like two years ago, in 2016. Yeah. yeah, you came in and shot something with me, and my friend Nikki. Yeah. Um. But we, I've been there since January 2015. Okay. So it's been it's been a while, like three and a half, four years, about. I mean, especially at BuzzFeed, that's a large. I would imagine there's like a big turnover. There is, just yeah. because it's a company that has been like expanding and changing for sure yeah and people get a lot of people get hired very like right out of college Mm -hmm. actually like buzzfeed was my first job Mm -hmm. basically so i think 
you get people when they're like 23 and they're there for a couple of years and they go on and do something else. But so there is like four years in BuzzFeed time is a long time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you've been there, you got you, it's like time for your gold watch. Hmm? It's like time for your gold watch. Oh, this, is a, this is a, okay. oh my God, you're, you're, uh, this is a joke about okay. <laughs> how um, when people used to like work at a company for uh-huh. a really long time, like 50 years or whatever, then mm-hmm. they would get like a gold watch. Oh, cool. Yeah. But, I um, that. but I love gold. In like the digital age, mm-hmm. uh, I had to translate that. Oh, no, I appreciate you. it. <laughs> Thank you. This was your first job out of school? It was, yeah. I mean, I was hired, I got hired at a ramen shop. I, I worked a lot. Like, yeah, worked, no, you're okay. I'd first of all, ramen shop first. Don't you dare no, no, for no, a well, moment it's, it's not that say it, that you didn't work at a ramen shop. I uh, did work at a ramen shop very briefly. I mean, I'd worked at restaurants basically all throughout college and since like high school, but my first job in media was BuzzFeed basically. Yeah. And my job in LA, like I got hired at the ramen shop and I didn't really know much about, like I'm Japanese, but I don't like ramen isn't my favorite noodle dish. So I sort of like faked it a little what bit. What is your favorite noodle dish? Udon. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Udon's great. I just, I ate that with my grandma a lot growing up. So, like, ramen, I'm sort of like, oh, it's chill. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I worked there, like, very briefly, like, one shift. And then I got tired, and I was like, okay, I got to go. Wow, one but, shift. Yeah, basically. I just, like, carried bowls. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess that, yeah, that's that seems like that. Seems like there's multiple people that would do that at any ramen shop. Just carry bowls. Yeah, carry, it feels I, like that's a part of... It is. It's yeah, part it's, of the job. it's standard. You, there's very rarely are you not carrying something. Uh, was this know. like a very hip place? I don't think so. And mm. I don't actually, it was in the valley. Mm. Um, so it wasn't like located near like, because there's a lot of like Asian parts of LA, uh-huh. you know, where that you might find, um, I guess, like the hipper restaurants. There are a lot of, there are a lot. Of, well, I think when I, this was the first place I had seen a Koreatown. Like just, yeah. I, I'm from Chicago. No, yeah, I'm like, from Illinois too. Yeah. yeah. Where are you from? I am from Glenview. Oh, we must have talked about this. You're from Glenview? I'm from Glenview, Illinois, yeah. Holy crap. Wait, where are you from? I'm from Western Springs. Do you know where uh, Western Springs is? It's like near Hinsdale and LaGrange. Yes. Okay, um, yeah. I, we fenced against Hinsdale people, I think. D- you were a fencer? I was a fencer. Wow. Yeah. I was It was. Uh, it was very like quiet, fencer, nerdy, <laughs> AV geek gay in high school. Um, oh, I yeah. have so many follow-up questions. Sure, yeah. Were you the... How'd you get into fencing? I really liked, well, I just really liked swords. And I. Number I, one, full stop. Yeah. Change of question. No, that's got to be the full answer. You, you really like swords? I really like swords. And I just wanted a way. My mom one day was just like, you know, you can do that. Like, you can do swords at school. So that was, that's what, that's kind of what got How me into did it. You, what were you doing with swords prior to that? I, well, I was watching Lord of the Rings a lot. Yes. And I actually. There's swords in there. Yeah, there are. And I was like, I think it's, it's weird now because I, I don't really, I'm not really, I don't date men, but I was really into Legolas when I was a kid. Like I Oh, who wasn't? My little sister yeah, really loved. Beautiful. Him. And I just yeah. I don't know. And so I he well he was arrows. Actually I did archery for a little bit too yeah. because of that. But I just He is arrow he does he, do archery he does but do, also sliding on an elephant. Yeah. Is another thing that yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. but it's not really an elephant because it's Middle Earth. That is like one of the best scenes like sequences in movies I think when he mm. jumps onto the elephant and then kills it with three arrows well, that's really sad yeah no I mean it's but it's, it's super sad yeah. well the good news is it's like definitely a digital elephant like I don't know if you've oh. seen it oh, thank since you. then okay, but cool. um, it, it doesn't oh, 100% hold thank up you. but it also doesn't look terrible yeah it's like right in that zone where they like first started doing CGI like making that. CGI that like looks really good oh, cool. in, the, in the moment yeah. when you went to see it you're like oh my god that's a real <laughs> yeah Elephant, and then you yeah. see it down. You're and like, you're oh, okay. that's not actually real. Okay, elephant. cool. Um, but yeah, it is a really, it is a really cool sequence. So you're really into Lord of the Rings. You're into Legolas. Yeah, you're you're doing that fe- was that fencing was in causing Glenview. you to yeah. be an archer, mm-hmm. and then you were also 
Into swords. Into yeah. swords. Yeah. It sounds like you have a supportive uh, parent if that person says you can do my mom. Yeah, my, my parents, at, they liked organized stuff. Like, I think they wanted to get me into, like, mm-hmm. something that had structure. Um, and there was, like, a fencing program at my – I was lucky. There was a, there's not many fencing programs in schools, I think. Well, that's kind of why I asked why, how you yeah. got into it because growing up in the same area, I certainly didn't yeah. know anything about fencing fencing being a thing I could do. I wasn't, I mean, it wasn't super popular. Like the, we would travel to like Indiana or Wisconsin just because those were the closest places. Like there were a few schools in Illinois that had programs and they were pretty good. But they had this at your high school. They had it, yeah, they had it at high school. So it was like easy to, and I was on the team, I guess. So Mm -hmm. I was able to do it as like a sport. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So I was a a student athlete, I guess, but yeah. Wow, how did you, um, how did you present at the time? I was, I mean, like what kind of hair school. are we talking about? Hair, yeah. I mean, what kind of like? Because you have a little eye makeup on today. I do, yeah. Sometimes you look great. Oh, I want thank you. you. you look thank great. you so much. Um, I'm curious about like running around with swords. What was, yeah, what was going on with your presentation? I well, I didn't wear makeup in high school. Um, I didn't really. I was dressed mostly by my mother, um, and she like <laughs> loved bloomies. So I was. I wore a lot of basics in high school that were like pretty femmy, but like I never really was into dresses or anything like that. But I also had very long hair and I didn't really know what to do with it. So my hair was like always in like a ponytail or something. Um, I was also just very, you know, it's high school. So you're pretty uncomfortable with your body. And I hadn't really figured out how I wanted to look back then. So I, I feel like I was presenting like in a way to just not be noticed. Like I sort of was wearing a lot of like classic normal like just plain colors and I sort of I think I probably slouched a lot and then I didn't wear makeup so I sort of was just like very barefaced though like gay slouch is a real thing well especially for people that that. are um like cultured female so yeah yeah like the like shoulders in thing yeah and like I'm like doing I'm like trying to like sit up I know I know well part of it I think is like a chest uh disguising Mm -hmm. thing and then the other thing is uh smallness Taking yes. up less less space. Thing. Yeah, that's actually. I feel like that was, and even though I wouldn't have been consciously aware of it at that age, um, just like where I was in my school and like with the people around me, I feel like I was always trying to just be as tiny as possible. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, I hear that. I mean, I have like a, I have like a shoulder injury that is like from nothing. Like, like <laughs> this is a thing about when you uh, continue to age in your life. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just have like a, I've like, and I think it's partially like being on the road a lot and um I think it's affected by like literally like loneliness or emotional stuff goes into my shoulder but I also I think that it's my shoulder I I think I just have a gay shoulder I think my shoulder's (laughs) really gay and you do you you know like and you because you because you think about your shoulders they like not just slouching forward to make yourself smaller but also like pulling them up by your ears Mm -hmm. is like a a protection yeah. of like your head, which is this really vulnerable area. And then if you're turning them in, that's like protecting your heart. So like our shoulders actually are a place that if we're feeling uncomfortable in the world, we like really hold a lot of tension. Yeah. I feel like a lot of queer women I know have like I've had this conversation shoulder with other queer stuff. Yeah. No, they do. There's like something with the shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know that feeling very well. I can't wait to um to write our book, There's Something with the Shoulders. Yeah. It's no. about It'll be great. Being a queer woman. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, let's see. Four years in and that's your first job. So you're a little younger than me. Yeah. Um, maybe you're – maybe are you are you 20? I'm 25. Six? Yeah, yeah. 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So almost a full decade. Oh. Actually, more than a decade. I'm 36. I'm oh, going to be 37 next month. Oh, cool. Happy um, early birthday. Thank you so much. Yeah. And so that's a big that's a big difference in terms of queerness, queer experience. Don't worry. Just drop all the water out of your mouth oh, and great. directly onto yeah. your body and yeah, also I the microphone. Um, I wonder what was it what was it like? Okay, so did you know what was going on with you in high school? I did, but I was like I knew I was gay from like a pretty young age. I oh, was how like, did you know? Well, I mean, I would first like consciously had the thought when I was like eleven or twelve, um, and I remember like I'd had crushes on girls when I was like as young as like I think like five or six, and I didn't know what that the, what they were at the time. But like as I got older, I was like, oh, that's that was a crush. I was in love with her. Cool. Um, but I when I realized I was gay. I sort of was like, I went into this like panic, hide it, you're gonna die, this is horrible. And I was also like, I was Catholic, and like I know I it was just, oh, it's messy. Um, but when I first realized it, I just sort of was like, if this is true, that you can't, you can't be a person, so it can't be true. And so when I was in high school, it was like becoming a lot more present because you sort of you puberty is happening or over, and you're sort of. There were even, like, a couple people that were out at my high school. Not that many, but, like, one or two. A few. Enough that it was, like, a thing in my life where I could see queerness around me. And, yeah, I just, like, I didn't really start to come out and, like, get comfortable with it until I was, like, 18, 19. So, like, sort of end of high school was when it, like, kind of stepped out a little bit. Oh, so you were still in high school and who were you talking to? I mean, oh, this story is, I kind of like, let's see. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll, so basically what happened was I knew I was gay, but wasn't like, was trying to make it not very true. So I was like, I'd be like, well, I'd have like monologue. I'd like, remember like speaking to myself in the mirror, like very late at night. I didn't really sleep much in high school and being like, Okay, like, well, if you're you're not gay, but if you are gay, like, you'll never tell anyone and you'll never do anything with it, and you can just have it not be a thing because if it's true, you can't be happy ever. So that's like what I was thinking, and I didn't think anyone knew, but I had friends who, and this is the thing, they've sensed like the people that that I was with at the time and I'm still like friends with, we've had conversations about it and they've been like, oh, we shouldn't have handled it that way. I had friends who were like, I think amongst themselves were like, oh, Jen's gay. Like she's got to be. Like she's definitely gay. And they sort of, in a way, I don't, outed isn't not the best word. Maybe it is the best word and I just don't want to say it. But it was kind of like they wanted me to talk about it. And so they would sort of make a lot of like insinuations or jokes. And I think like, you know, this is like straight people, but also straight people who are 16 and think they're helping. So I just sort of like was in this weird place where I was like, okay, like I'm, some of my friends seem to know, but I, whenever they would call me on it, I'd be like, I'm not, I'm not, stop it. But yeah, there was also this girl who I, like, wanted to date. So when I was, like, 16, 17, 18-ish, I was, like, sort of, like, doing the the thing you do when you, like, know someone is also queer and you think they're interested in you and you're just, like, you just, what you do is you sit closer and closer to them at lunch <laughs> and you, like, make sure you're, like, you move your, like, bare arm closer and closer to you're their like, bare arm. Let me just put my swords on this side. Yeah, basically. 
Um, so it was over closer. Yeah. It was very weird. Like I think about that time and I'm just sort of like, I wonder like if I would have come out faster if like no one else had sort of been aware of it because I think sort of as a response to like people maybe knowing, I kind of like, like in one part of my life with this one person, I was like sort of inching out of the closet, but in every other part of my life I was like inching like, or not inching. I was like grabbing myself into the closet. Like, so it was very – it was a weird time. I actually have not really heard um, about an experience that, that was – about an experience like that uh, before. We're, we're like um, – that sounds really tough. The uh, the jokes and stuff. I mean maybe for – maybe for – maybe there's – maybe I've heard about that from like a – like a like a like a dude friend Maybe, who, yeah. who was like being teased or whatever. I think that for women sometimes, uh, I don't know. Like there's a lot of other explanations, so people don't like it's like oh yeah, she's like just, she's like, just so what, yeah, 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 whatever yeah. it is. Um, but yeah, that sounds really hard. I mean, the, the, the so you like. You knew you were like, yes, this yeah. is happening. Like you knew, like when they were making jokes or insinuations or whatever in your brain, you're like, yeah, absolutely, yes, yeah. Like I, I knew they were hitting on something that was true, but it was yeah. like, and I'm sure you can relate to this. I feel like every time I say this, the other queer people in the room are like, yeah, I feel that. But it's like you couldn't saying it out loud made it real. Sure. So as long as you never said it out loud to anybody else, it wasn't real. So it was sort of like, I knew they were. I knew they weren't wrong, but, and I would have this moment of like saying very emphatically to friends of mine being like, stop saying it. I am not gay. I like boys. I date boys. And in my head, like just being like, oh, this is all bullshit. But it was like, I was like, wow, like I can very like earnestly say this. Like I had the ability to like, and at one point, like one of my friends was like, you're right. Like after me saying that, I think with such sincerity, he was just like, yeah, like I didn't. I'm sorry. Like I, I thought, but I guess I was wrong. And I was like, and then like a year later, I was like, you were right. What? I, well, I was right. I was right. He wasn't right. I was right. Is how I framed it when I told him I was gay. But yeah, yeah, right. Um, right, because I feel. Oh, that's so. It was very weird. I mean, that is. It's. I mean, not not that it's unusual. It's like I'm just trying to think about how to. How, to, how I would have dealt with that if that was me. Because I feel like for me, like maybe that was happening behind my back. Who Whoever knows, you could never know. Yeah. But I felt like it was a lot more of a weird surprise to people. And it kind of shouldn't have been. Like, I just mean it's like they could have picked, they could yeah. have picked up on any of one million things. <laughs> um, but, but none of those things were picked yeah. up on. And so it was like very much just like a, a, like a real surprise that I was breaking to people, I think. But yeah. But then I don't even know if that's my actual experience. Like, maybe they did know. Um, all right. So there was, like, this girl. Um, is that per- do, is that person queer? Is, yeah. Because you said, like, you oh, guys yeah. were vibing yeah. 100%. Yeah, she, I mean, we – I don't want to, like – I don't know. She – yeah, she's queer. She's queer. She's, like, um, out. She's a cool person. We're, like, friendly. We, like um, – are like friends who like get coffee. Have you ever talked about that time? Oh about yeah, oh yeah. Because it was like a. Okay, so it was like a thing. I mean, we we did quote unquote date, I guess. Um, so like, I there were ta- there was like a period of my life where I was like, I guess like I say quote unquote date just because it was like never defined and we were really young and it was sort of like 
unclear what the label was. Um, yeah, but, sure. So there was like a time where I was like, I guess dating someone, but at the same time also being like to everybody else, not gay, not gay, not gay at all. I mean, I could certainly, I, I wasn't like saying I wasn't gay when I had my first girlfriend because I, because that wasn't, it just wasn't like. Yeah. Coming up. Right. Um, but I mean, I was, uh, I mean, I was doing all manner of, I was dating men publicly. Like, I, oh, yeah. like, I just mean other things. I wasn't oh. necessarily going, I'm not gay, yeah, but yeah, I was yeah. going, uh, this is a man I'm dating. Sure. So that will, that will also work to the, the, right. a similar effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also being like, I'm in Catholic college, you know, like, yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. And I and I agree with everything. So like there was a lot of stuff. Yeah. I just wasn't saying that sentence. Totally. Um, but totally. I was certainly like expressing it, expressing yeah, the sentence exactly. At the very yes, least. Yeah. exactly. Like saying the full paragraph that's around it, just without that one sentence. Totally. Um, but yeah, so I can I can totally relate to that. And then you um, did did you you went to college? I did. That? Yeah. So a lot of this stuff, all like my coming out, my kind of dating someone, um, all of that stuff happened like. Senior year of high school. So when I went to college, I hadn't really finished, like, accepting. Obviously, like, I was still closeted when I went to college. Um, And me and the person, like, we weren't together when we went to college. And I went to school um, in Boston, so I was far away from, like, my family and my friends. And it was, like, this fresh start. But I still wasn't, like, emotionally ready to come out at the time. So I was, like... I stopped saying I was straight. Like, once I got to college, I stopped, like, telling people I was straight or interested in guys. But I still couldn't verbalize what was going on. And back then, like, I started wearing makeup in college, and I had, like, longer hair. So I think I presented in a way that a lot of people just, like, assumed, oh, she's a straight, she dates men, whatever. Um, What ended up, like, really happening was, I mean, my college was and is, like, a very gay place, just very queer-friendly in some ways, but... Where did you go to school? I went to Emerson College in Boston. I've, number one, there's an Emerson campus directly across from where we there are There is, now. yeah. I've lived in that campus when I was a <laughs> senior, yeah. Um, weirdly, a feeder to to Los Angeles and Hollywood in a way that I didn't understand. Yeah. Because, like, I went to Boston College. I had certainly oh. heard... I had certainly heard of Emerson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know, like... I didn't know they had a campus here and that, like, a lot of people... Oh yeah, uh, went there. I just didn't. I didn't really know anything about the school, but yeah, they anyway, like, we were yeah. we were down the street from each other, ten years apart. That's crazy. Yeah. No, I used to live when I was living in an apartment. I lived like I would jog along that like weird reservoir right by BC. I know the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. Did I mean I like there were definitely like molecules of mine. Left sure. Yeah. From totally. Behind when I that's yeah had jogged that same mm-hmm. path mm-hmm. Uh, ten years prior. Very cool. Um, that is that is cool. Okay, so you were. And, like, um, did you have friends who were out and queer? I did. I mean, I had a lot of, like, gay male friends when uh-huh. I, like, freshman year. Um, and also, like, my college, there are, like, I think, like, when you think of, like, there were a lot of, when people say it's, like, a very gay school, I think a lot of the experiences you have is, like, there are a lot of, like, queer men. Mm-hmm. And then the queer women are sort of, like, scattered throughout. <laughs> and it's harder to, like, find groups or find community. Um but what ended up happening was just college went on and, like, freshman year went on. And I just sort of was like, you know, I want to be able to, like, date and fall in love. Like, it once I sort of got to that realization, um, like, me becoming okay and wanting to be out, it felt like it happened really fast compared to, like, the eight years I'd been, like, forcing it down into myself. So, like, by the end of freshman year, I had started, like, coming out to 
a couple of like very close friends at college. And obviously there were like a few friends back home who knew. So when I came home for the summer, I was like, like really ready to be gay. I was like, I'm just, I'm, in, I'm into it. Like it's time. And so I came home for the summer after my freshman year of college. And I like told like my closer friends that still didn't know. And I like, um, I ended up like asking out this girl that I like worked. That's another story. I like asked out this girl over Facebook messenger um, that worked at the pool. And I was like a camp counselor that summer. So I'd go to the pool and I'd have like the campers. And she was just this like, she had like this really cool undercut and like she was like a swim instructor. <laughs> and I like was just, every time I saw her, I'd be like, <laughs> like just like implode um, in a not gross way. Cause I was at a pool, but um, yeah. So then I like, that was like the summer of me. Like how'd it go when you asked her out? Oh, okay. Well it was, it's what, what did she say? So I like, she and I had worked together previously um, but she didn't have short hair then. You're like, I'm noticing the undercut. Are you yeah. a yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just like, when I saw her with short hair, I think it just like sparked something in me. And I, yeah, I asked her out over Facebook Messenger. And we went on, on like, oh God, it was very, very much like a 19 so year old. So we went on went a couple well. of days. It did go well. Because she said. She said yes. yes. She said yes. Um, I mean, we we went on like two dates. And the second date was like, we went to the beach, which is a lake. I went to Lake Michigan. Uh-huh, I've been um, there. Yeah, Lake Michigan. It's lovely. And she had uh, vodka in, like, an empty Evian bottle and then red Gatorade. And we drank the, the vodka and the red Gatorade together. There was, like, some making out, but I also – this is my thing. I know – this is the only time I've ever headbutted anyone because I don't, I don't handle alcohol very well, and I also was, like, 19. So I distinctly remember, like – going for it and then headbutting her like in the face really hard <laughs> and then the rest of it's kind of a blur but yeah oh man it's almost like we shouldn't mix it's alcohol with our young yeah with our young love no it, it's exactly. almost like we shouldn't mix those it's things. a bad and it's also like i think for a lot of like people that are like still sort of like half in the closet half not it's like Almost like a way of feeling like, oh, it doesn't, not that it doesn't count, but it's like, if you're drunk, it's oh my kind God. of like it's, a well, cover. Especially for women. Yeah. Like, we are kind of fed that narrative where it's like, they're just like kissing in a club. Right. That's, that's for their boyfriends. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, I mean, there's, I, I've even heard those songs mm-hmm. that say those yeah, words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, me too. <laughs> um, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. Yeah. So it was, that was like a fun, weird thing. And then. Did you have this hair? I, no, not then. Yeah. Back then I, I didn't cut my hair until I was like. I was 19 then, but I cut it at 19, like, later in sophomore year of college. What What was, first of all, where did you go? Like, d- like how did you, okay. No, no, let's, let's work get, up to I it. love that, yeah, let's uh, get there. When's the moment where you knew you wanted to have this haircut? Or, like, a haircut in this in this vein? Because you have short hair that is, like, sort of a fade on the side, yeah. I guess, but, like, real long on top. Mm-hmm. You have great hair. Oh, thank um, you. I would say also, like, queer-looking hair. Mm-hmm. Bu- yeah. Bueno. Thank you. Uh, this guy has it, too. Yeah, I love um, it. Uh, when did you like figure this out? And was this the first way that it looked or did it like, no, look it was, ways? it was like very mom from the Brady Bunch. Like it was very like, <laughs> I don't know, like very like kind of like a Bob. It was very like, it was more feminine. I think when I first got it cut, but I cut it because I like was going through like a breakup with like a different person at that point. And I was sort of like, I want to be like different. And I, it wasn't like something that I'd always wanted to do. Like, I think it never really occurred to me that I could have short hair. I think. And I, but I, I didn't really like having long hair because it was just like, I have Asian hair too. So it's very coarse. It's like very thick. 
And you have to like really for it to look, I think, in a way that's like presentable to a lot of people is you have to like straighten it or be able to blow dry it. And I don't I'm not good at that stuff. Like I've never had the patience for it. So I just like it was pretty spontaneous. I was just like one day I was like, you know what, like I just I want it gone. Um, and so I went to this. I don't remember the name of the salon, but my hairstylist was named Shannon. Um, who, What's up, Shannon? Yeah, she's so nice. And it's funny, like, she was dating a man when I met her. And then I was, I went to her for the rest of college to get my haircuts. And then, like, my last haircut with her, she was like, oh, I just want you to know, like, um, it's not, I've never done this before, but I'm actually, like, dating my best friend who's a woman now. And, like, I just thought it would be cool to tell you. And, like, I think there's – I'm, like, Facebook friends with her. I think they're still together. Um, I don't know if this is telling too much. No, that's great. Somebody else. But I just thought – I just, like, for her life – Maybe I think she's hard her. to find. I think yeah, I, think I don't we've think kept she'll... her anonymity a little bit. So okay, yeah. yeah, but she's yeah. She was. I just thought that was really great, and it was it was a really heartwarming moment. Um, it is your your hairstylist coming out to you is yeah is a, a an unusual experience because usually it's it's kind us of walking in yeah. and being like, um, give me a straight up fade. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it does mean what you think. Um, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, so I, I cut it. And so when did it get this short? It got this short. Probably when I moved to LA about like three ish years ago, because I, I just wanted it to look. I mean, I I also didn't really know how to verbalize what I wanted. Like I I wanted to be able to say, give me like a gay haircut, but I like wasn't really going to like queer barber shops or queer like yeah. places. Um, so I was going to like a lot of places where it's like I think they just assumed I wanted it to be a little bit more femi than I did, or just not. I don't know, like a little bit more tapered maybe or something like that. Perhaps is a better word, but. Eventually, like, I started going to, I think, and I, I know you've, you've no folklore, you're familiar with folklore, but they're yeah. um, a salon in uh, Echo Park? Or, yeah. Yeah, they're a salon here in Los Angeles, and they are, like... You go to folklore. I, I do, well, I do, and then my person, Joyce, moves, so I go to, ah. Joyce Landicho is her, I yeah. hope I pronounced her I know name Joyce. Right. Yeah, Joyce is great, so she cuts my hair, um, I just followed her to her new salon, yeah. but... Um, I, yeah, when I first started going to folklore and I met Joyce, I was like, can you just... I want it to be like short on the sides and I want it to like the long to the top to still be kind of long. Right. And then we just, she was like, oh yeah, got it. And then she gave me the haircut I have now. And that was like two Amazing. or three years ago. And I've just continued to get the same haircut. Also, like I would imagine, ooh, because you've been talking about um, like the specificity of your hair texture. Mm-hmm. So like Joyce's, I don't actually know ethnicity, but yeah, she's Asian. she's Asian. Yeah, she's and also Asian. Also, like, uh, has really gay haircuts. Yeah. So I'm just imagining this moment where you like find this person that you're mm-hmm. like, oh, um, you'll like yeah. maybe you understand it was very how to do this hair, and then mm-hmm. also like maybe you understand how to do this hair. You know, yeah. like there's like two things going on. That, yeah. That it, I think it's. I mean, yeah. I, I already know how hard it is to find somebody that'll just give you right. like a queer haircut, but then totally. I also have like white person hair, which it turns out everybody is trained to know how to <laughs> cut at like when they go through yeah. beauty school. It's like you pretty much come out knowing how to do white person hair. Um, so that sounds like a, a cool moment for you. It I'm was. Imagining. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was really for me, it was just like, you know, and I didn't know. I think like I joke about this, but I like didn't really like realizing I was Asian and realizing I was gay. Not that I didn't like, I always, I mean, I've always known I was Asian, but sort of like coming into a place where I like wanted to like sort of know more about my identity as like Japanese American, as like an Asian American. That's all of that. Those realizations sort of came around the same time when I was like becoming more comfortable with like my queerness. So it was cool to like, it was just very cool to like come to LA and then like meet somebody who like, 
I could see both sort of parts of me in and then like just be like, and we're like friends. Like she cuts my hair. We like comment on each other's Instagrams. Like it was cool. I'm I'm like, yeah, Joyce is great. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that matters so much. Yeah. Um. Oh, I want to hear more about you saying that you're like, that you were understanding that you were Japanese American. Like, what do you mean by that? You were understanding like how other people saw you. You were understanding Kinda, like yeah. your own, like what, like, what it, like give me some more totally. information on that. Um, well, so for me, like I grew up, where I grew up, it's like, there are, um, there is like a lot, there are like Asian communities in like the Chicago suburbs and Chicago, but the town, the school system I was in is like predominantly very white. Yes. Um, and I'm also a mixed race. I'm half white. So I sort of was like, you know, and I, when you're a lot of, I think a lot of people can relate to this too, but it was sort of like when I was growing up, I just didn't want to be different. And, you know, I think the community I was in, it's like people are, you know, not that I, I'm very grateful. Like I had a good upbringing. I had like a, I had a lot of privilege. I went, got a good education, but it's this type of place where I think it's a fairly like quote unquote, like liberal place. And it's full of people that I think, I think they think because they may have good intentions, there isn't racism and so I sort of was like growing up where like people would sort of it would seem like people were like oh yeah like you know we're very progressive here and there's you know we accept people of all backgrounds but you know I sort of wasn't experiencing that like I saw you know there, ca there was casual racism there was some more like explicit racism um, and I think like my response to that was like kind of like you have to sort of gaslight yourself and be like, well, to fit in, I have to believe that everything here is fine. Um, and so like a lot of my like younger years and like adolescence was sort of spent like, you know, just kind of thinking like, ah, like I would, I remember like feeling like kind of, and this is like, I'm ashamed to say this almost now, but like sometimes I'd feel embarrassed if people were like, well, you're Asian. I'd almost be like, well, no, no, just a white girl, just hanging out, like <laughs> having a good time. Um, which is also an, in a sense, like a, a privilege I had because there were people at my school who like, you know, like being mixed, I sort of was able to be like, well, you know, I have this, I can sort of hide behind my quote unquote white name. And it's very complicated, but I, I just, I, it wasn't until I got older that I sort of like wanted to know, like I sort of saw, I got comfortable with who I was. And then also was like, you know, like Asian American is like an identity, but it's also like the t coin itself was like termed as like a political identity, like as a term, that sort of signified like this sort of radical politics and like the civil rights. It's just, you know, there's a lot of history there that I didn't know. And I wasn't very like aware of when I was growing up. So I think like once I sort of realized that it was like, okay to be who I was, and this has nothing to do with my family. Like my family is great. And like they're there, but they were also like the only, I didn't know that many other Japanese Americans that weren't related to me when I was growing up. And like, there's not a lot of education on like, well, I mean, there isn't really much education on like different identities in school. So I also didn't really understand like how I related to like other Asian people because the Asian American community is like a bunch of different, like people of different ethnicities and backgrounds that sort of are all, we're all under this label and we're all trying to, you know, figure out like our histories, like our family's history in this country and like the story of our country's relationship to each other, not our countries, but like our family's countries, I guess. Um, and so I didn't really like understand like how I fit into this like community because I didn't know that many people and it wasn't really talked about. Um, so moving to LA was also like this thing where I was also all of a sudden in a place where I was like, oh, there's a lot 
of Asian people here. Yeah. And there's a lot of queer Asian people, which was like, like growing up, I think also I sort of saw that as separate. Like I was like, mm-hmm. there was queer people and then there were like Asian people. Yeah. And never the twain shall meet. Sure. Yeah. 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 And so it's been like, like, it's funny, like, cause when I was a kid and I, I was sort of very like, you know, not comfortable with, with who I was. It's, I feel like if like, 15 year old me would could see me now and I like I'm just surrounded by like queer people but also like queer people of color a crap ton of like queer Asian people like she like my younger self would kind of just be like I don't know how this happened like how do you feel comfortable in those spaces how do you like relate to people but it's just like yeah they also everything sort of happened the gayness the Asianness they all kind of like there was like an awakening I guess when I hit like 20 around and was like I want to know what this means. What does any of this mean? Right. Well, I mean, um, you know what is the first thing I would say is since we grew up in such a similar area, Mm -hmm. like it's not the same suburb, but it's like pretty similar. Yeah. um, I just want to say that I like really validate your experience. And I, even as a white person, totally know what you're talking about. Oh, thank Um, you. In terms of, I also think like specifically like – uh, Asian identity in the areas that that we grew up because I think that a lot of folks what what I saw um like sort of talked about was um the like model minority yeah. stereotypes like because a lot of folks um in that area it was literally like okay well if you are um any Asian person like I assume you're your, like, dad is probably, like, a heart surgeon or, like, you know, like, there was, like, there were very specific stereotypes Yeah. Um, that I will just, I mean, I'm not sure if this is what you're talking about, but I will say I saw that um, growing up there. And I think that those stereotypes also, um, it wasn't necessarily presented like a community of people, but it was very much presented like uh, there can only be one sort of a thing where it's, like, there's, yeah. like, there's, like, a lot of white people and then like this person and like this person, you know. Um, right. Totally. Yeah. I, I think, mean, my, my, this is like no, no. neither here nor there. My first boyfriend was, was Filipino. So oh, I cool. just like saw the way that he was at our school. Mm-hmm. And I just like saw the way that people treated him and the way that people talked about his family. And then I'm, you know, like, and then yeah. I met his family, you sure. know? So I just mean like, I, it's not like, this isn't something where I am like, like, uh, but, but I just, uh, saw some of what you're talking yeah. about. And then I also could extrapolate that out to the other people at our school who like right. maybe had some different family situations that were totally assumed or, oh, I don't even know, individual identities. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, those, the model minority myth is one that like, it distorts our view of like our own community because mm-hmm. it's just like, you just, it's one of those things where it's like, I think people, um, and again, like I, I say this and I'm not like a, a I'm not the best person to totally talk about this just because I, there's so many people that have written about this well, and talked about it. Well, you can just use it, anecdotal experience. Yeah, anecdotal nobody's, experience. Nobody's guessing, check, yeah. nobody's like checking a- yeah. this and like making you footnote it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. a- anecdotal safe, safe to be anecdotal here. The, like the model minority myth that just distorts our view of our own community. And I think it, it oftentimes when people think Asian, they're sort of thinking of a very specific, like potentially like East Asian person, um, and I think what it does is it, like, it assumes that, like, it makes us think that, like, our community is a lot more, uh, in, like, there it, it sort of assumes that, like, our community is, like, a lot more privileged than it actually is. And it also sort of implies that, like, it sort of, like, speaks to a very specific experience that usually excludes, like, 
I don't know, like not East Asian people generally. Like yeah. it's sort of like the people. I think the assumption is that like an Asian person is usually like uh, Japanese or Chinese or Korean, and they are you know their parents are you know either immigrants or they're like they're coming into school and they're like meant to be like a doctor or a lawyer and they're like getting straight A's and it's just I don't know it it creates this like perception of our community that like obscures like its needs and obscures like the stories of like people that don't have that experience so it's just this very oh god that myth is just and it, it's just it's and it's also got this history this large history of like the model minority myth sort of is like as is like based in like anti-blackness as well sort of like presenting Asian yeah. Americans as this like quote unquote safe minority so there's just like oh there's like a lot everybody no, I'm like I'm like yeah. sweating talking about it because there's so much history that's like oh it's oh and again like we don't really we're not really taught this so you're sort of like your education about I mean maybe maybe other people are in schools that are different but I I didn't know about any of this growing up and I didn't Oh, I, I don't think we're. I yeah, don't think like this it's, is. It's, I'm, it's, I'm trying to imagine a school system where this right where they would be taught. I mean, because well, because the other thing is that is the the thing you're talking about the like homo the homo the like assumed homogeneity homo homogeneity. I don't know homogeneous yeah. nature. Yeah. Homogeneous well, yeah. nature. The yeah the that is also true for queerness, right? So it's yeah. like, like that the, even almost to those exact same like it's like there's a presumed like wealth level, a presumed, like, amount of privilege, a presumed, like, education level. Like, I think when we, when, when our culture thinks about, like, yeah. uh, an Asian person, it's what you said, you know, it's like, like, Chinese, Japanese, or Korean, and, like, you know, yeah. then if you think about a queer person, it's like, it's a dude, and they are, they work in, like, advertising at, like, a high level, and they're an executive, they have a ton of disposable income, and they're white. Right. So I just mean, like, then you combine those two things, and yeah. here you are, somebody that's, like, actually, I almost have, like, two individual experiences, and I'm not, like, the, you know, or whatever, you know, whatever right. your experience and might be, it's almost as if you're, um like, a, a finite person, and not somebody who... uh Yeah, it's just, it's weird, and I am, like, someone who is, like, East Asian, so it's sort of, like, I, I sort of, like, it's... Uh, what a but I mean I think about a lot of times um uh like growing up and oh my god I'm going to bring up something so fucking intense but like get ready mm-hmm. I just think about well cuz you brought up schools it's yeah. like well we're definitely not taught um uh like uh, kind of about racism at all but certainly yeah. not then like further complexities of racism but then when I do think about what's taught mm-hmm. um it's I mean I think like Japan is still presented to us in schools as like this um enemy of yeah. this country sure um and by the way I'm Italian you know it is not oh, presented too. that yeah. way yeah exactly yeah like Italy like yep. I just mean like we, yeah. we don't like we don't yeah. go like uh hey like Italians, like this is what you did, and like feel bad about feel this, bad, and, like yeah. take responsibility for this. No, that's um, but we ab- so like if you're getting no other education on an entire country's history, yeah, and the only thing that you're getting is that. That just also seems like a lot to totally. Wrap around. I mean, I this but also is like uh, yeah, I I see the uh, O at the end of your yeah, original name. So, oh yeah, it's big Sicil- Sicilian. Yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, that's well, that's the other crazy thing is like. I think we we t- talk about I, whenever racism was sort of talked about at school that I can remember it was like done in a very like historical context way when they're mm-hmm. talking about like the civil rights movement or uh, when they're talking about like obviously like American slavery like they're talking about things that are 
that like still have obviously huge consequences and like impact today, but they don't, it's not spoken about in the way, in that sense. It was of always course, treated yeah. as like a thing of the past. Like my, one of my like weirdest memories from high school is like, I was in a U.S. history class and like my, so my family, my grandparents were uh, incarcerated in the Japanese camps during World War II in America. Um, was people, that in California? Yes. Yeah. So they were, my family was like, my mom's side of the family. Uh, they're from California, and they were all sent to the the camps. Um, they're more commonly known as internment camps, but people in the community usually it's like usually incarceration or concentration, just because that's the government definition that they used. But I remember being in that class, and like there were all of these like well-meaning kids, or I don't know, maybe they weren't well-meaning. Some people that I like was like friendly with or whatever, and I was sitting in that class and hearing people like genuinely make the argument, well maybe it wasn't so bad and like, you know, maybe it was okay. And like, you know, they were, it was wartime and blah, blah, blah. And to be, to give credit to my teacher at the time, like he, well, maybe not that much credit. I think like, it was just one of those experiences where I was sitting there and I was just like, oh my God, like nobody in this class like sees this as like anything that like is still present for people. Cause for a lot of like, uh, descendants of people who are in the camps, like that story is like very present because they were, it was obviously very tragic and it usually had huge impact on like the mental health of your family. Like it's the reason why like my family moved to Chicago because they weren't allowed to move back to the West Coast. Like it's all of this stuff. And I just remember sitting in that class and I was just thinking like, like I, part of me, like, and this is the other thing that I am ashamed of, even though I know there's a reason why. Like, I was like wanting to like, be able to to be able to believe that what they were saying is true to agree with them because I didn't want to like argue and have to do that. But then the other hand, just like being like, I feel crazy right now. I want to scream. I want to punch somebody in the face. And the thing is, there's other I've never spoken to her. We weren't friends, but there was this other girl in the class who was also Japanese American. And I like there's a part of me that for years has always wanted to like track her down on Facebook and be like, Hey, was that also weird for you? Did you also <laughs> find, feel insane that day? Cause it's, it, I was like, I was just like, what is happening here? I feel like maybe, Hey, uh, you probably don't need me to tell you this, but I just want to, just want to say regarding the shame that you just expressed having, um, I'm not sure that it is your responsibility as a young person and also a member of a marginalized a community that is like actively being marginalized in the moment to know to put a boundary down. Like I just mean, yeah, I know that. No, no, no. I'm I just like a I appreciate human that. saying this yeah. to you on a podcast, but um, <laughs> I don't know that. I mean, obviously, feelings are feelings, but I just I don't know that um, that that's that expectation that you're having of yourself, or like that you're that you're thinking back on, like. I, that's a that's like a superhero level ability to <laughs> like s- stand up and say a different thing like that. That's really difficult. Yeah, I mean, I think like I do think like, and I know it's one of those things that I'm sure like, especially a lot of like queer people, I think have talked about it, where it's like this experience of like looking back and you know being like, oh, like I participated in something that like hurt somebody or hurt myself, and sort of like. Like, we all, we're all sort of in this narrative of, like, forgive your past self. I feel like that's such a common thing in our community of sort of, like, 
realizing stuff that happened when you were younger, recognizing that like forces outside of your control played a big part in why it went down the way it did. And then sort of like being like, forgive yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I definitely like, also you're speaking from like the vantage point of the safety that you have now. And right. I mean like the yeah. like emotional safety, totally. the like adulthood safety, mm-hmm. like adulthood creates a little bit of safety in terms of like being able to make some choices. You know, there's a lot of, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot uh, to that, to looking back at yourself. Because we always, I just feel like it's the inclination is to um, like have the brain and experience that you have now and then be like, why didn't I make a different choice then? Yeah. I I had this brain and experience then. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, you actually, you didn't. Yeah. You're like, you're like, had like a brain that was forming because you were like literally a child. <laughs> you didn't have. No, that's true. You know, that's true. Um, but but yeah, I hear you. I mean, that's that's some intense stuff. And I also think um, I would imagine then plays into um, some presentation stuff too. Like, I'm so glad to hear what you said about Joyce or like your community now and how many folks you, you know that like uh, maybe are reflecting back to you some options for how your life could be or how yeah. you could look. But then if you like, okay, so let's say you mm. – look different than the people around you. And then you're also like, I am different. Yeah. It would, to me, I can imagine that then it would be very difficult to figure out like, okay, well, what should my hair look like? Or should I wear makeup? Or like, how should I present? Because I know that that was really tough for me. And I, I did look like a lot of the folks in the area that we grew up in one way. And then of course, like in other ways, I was like, constantly carried a bow and arrow. Yep. By the way, we had that in common. Oh, great. Um, But I, I, but I just mean like, (laughs) I, you know, it seems like a, like if my, if I was trying to like thread a needle, then you were like maybe trying to thread an even narrower needle of trying to figure out like how to yeah. show people who you are. This week's episode of Query is sponsored by Helix. There's nobody on the planet like you. There really isn't. So why would you buy a generic mattress built for everyone else? Helix Sleep built a sleep quiz that takes two minutes to complete and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash query and take their two-minute sleep quiz. For couples, Helix can even split the mattress down the middle, providing individual support needs and feel preferences for each side. That's, that's pretty fun. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. Right now, they're offering $125 off all mattress orders. Whether you're a side sleeper, hot sleeper, or like a plush or a firm bed with Helix, there's no more guessing or confusion. You can get $125 off at helixsleep.com slash query. That's helixsleep.com slash query for $125 off your mattress order. helixsleep.com slash query. Over a half million people swear by the original True Body Bra by TrueAndCo.com. The True Body Bra looks amazing when you put it on with soft fabric that smooths out in all the right places while still giving you the support you need. It's got no wires, so it's super comfortable for all-day wear. Try the original True Body Bra from TrueAndCo.com today with free and easy returns. Save 15% off when you enter the code QUERY at checkout. That's T-R-U-A-N-D-C-O dot com slash QUERY. Do you feel good about walking through the world now? Do you feel like you're red with this, like, 
haircut and this like clothes and stuff like how you want to be read? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I really do like I, it's funny because like I do sometimes joke like, oh yeah, like I dress gay or whatever, but like it is just also just like how I feel most comfortable. Like I Me like too. button downs. I love t-shirts. Me like, too. Exactly. I mean, I love your shirt right now. It's great. It's, I know. Yeah. It is a real converging of like personal taste and cultural like, it's easy in that but, sense. But like, also, who is, like, who walks through the world and just, like, picks out their clothes f- without cultural influence? I, I mean, I don't. We only think, we only, you only have that thought in your brain because, like, queerness is stigmatized. Yeah. You know what I, I mean, mean? No, no, no. That's yeah. where you're like, oh, I dress gay, but I also like it. And it's like, well, <laughs> maybe it's like a chicken or the, like, it's yeah, like. Yeah, it's who It's like you like the, it because yeah. it is gay, but then it's gay. You like, you know, like, yeah. it's like just a. Because sometimes I do, like, I'm like, oh, this is really gay and I love that. Like, right. I, you know, like, it's, it's an exciting thing. It's like an affirming thing, but it really is just like. A comfort thing. And, like, the thing is with my hair, too. Like, it originally was cut, like, probably in some way I was like, I want this gay haircut. I mean, that's eventually what I even said. But it was really (laughs) just, like, a comfort thing at first. Like, the first thing, it was just like, I don't want to fucking straighten my hair. I don't know how to do it. And it looks like shit. So I'm just going to cut it all off. And that was, like, easy. How long? I mean, how long does it take you to do your hair in the morning? Such a good question. Uh, kind of depends on what I'm doing. Sure. Yeah. Right now, right now, what I'm doing is uh, like what I've got going on right now is I put a shit ton of product in it and mm-hmm. I kind of comb it straight back. Yeah, I can. It looks like nice. Yeah. Our Italian heritage would require mm-hmm. of me. Yeah. You know, like I'm like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but sometimes I'm trying to do it a little softer. Like mm-hmm. this is like kind of like the hardest. Nice. That my okay. Hair looks and I and it. This is when I don't want to do anything, when I just want it to be, like, Just, like, easy. out of your way. Yeah. Kind I, like, of slick it okay. back. Which, by the way, does feel, like, challenging for me to, really? like, have— Oh, kind of, because I feel like it's, like— It's, like, very butch. Like, mm-hmm. like the slicked back hair is, like, very butch versus, like, if I can if I have time to do my hair, maybe I'll, like, make it, like, a little more, like— Softer. Yeah, what, what which somehow is still, like, I feel like is— It's, like, the difference between, like, Spike from Buffy or, like, or like um, River Phoenix slash— mm-hmm. Cole Sprouse for an updated reference for the children. Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a, <laughs> nodding. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, that being said, how much time does it take? Not that much time. It does take a lot of product. Yeah. I know. I, I also go through a lot of product. A lot. Yeah. I have like hair that kind of, if I don't put anything in it, just goes like straight down. Okay. Around my face. Yeah. In a way that I just really don't like. Okay. I really need it to go okay, up I, Yeah. and fly into the air. Mm-hmm. Okay. How long does it take you to do your hair? It's pretty quick. If it's totally dry, like five minutes. I mean, I use a lot of product, but it's I just yeah. sort of slap it forward. Uh-huh. I brush it forward with my hands, and then I just push it back with the other hand. And then it just goes, it just sort of like swoops. Yep. So it's fast. It's super fast now. Yep. Yeah, but I do go through like... Oh, like a ha- like you know those little jars of product probably like once I know those little jars of product. oh yeah you're very familiar you're well versed <laughs> yeah like probably uh, once once every two once a month yeah go through one I don't know yeah 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 it's fast and then like if you're wearing eye makeup and um this hair mm-hmm. like how does that because I'll also say this is something I think people are sometimes surprised of I actually really like wearing makeup yeah I don't put it on my own face because I refuse to learn that skill um but i like it when other people put makeup sure. on me and i like to wear a lot of eye makeup that mm-hmm. for some reason feels like i don't know why this is true like kind of masculine to me where like if like like a lip color 
Like, forget it. Lip, like, no, I like, feel the same. Forget it. Like, I would never, like, Way. unless I'm like doing like a high concept photo shoot. And I'm mm-hmm. sorry if this part of the conversation just got really unrelatable. But <laughs> unless I'm doing something where like I feel like I'm uh, a character, kind a of? character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. I'm like kind of okay with something being on my lips. But I would like never walk down the street like that, not in a million yeah. years. But I would not mind wearing something on my eyes. I, get I that. don't know why that is true. I. I feel like it's I the thing is I totally relate to that because I feel like whenever I do have a lip on for any reason I notice it way more than I notice the eyeliner like Mm. the lip makes it feel when you're wearing a lip it almost feels more dramatic kind of I guess oh my god I'm wondering if I just figured out why this is true okay yeah I'm gonna gonna pitch something to you sure sure sure. Um, like men that we see in magazines and film and television and stuff they're wearing eye makeup yeah but they're not necessarily wearing a noticeable lip color because, like, yeah. eye makeup fades a little right. bit more. So, like, rock stars, mm-hmm. but then also, like, actors. Like, when you're seeing an actor in a movie, like, that person's wearing eye makeup. Yeah. So, it's, like, maybe just something that we are cultured. To be like, oh, it's a little bit be, more. It's more andro. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, that makes sense that make to sense? Me. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I, I buy that. I get okay. that. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, like, this is also the only thing I know how to do. I can do one. Oh, it looks one. really good. Oh, You're good at you. it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just know I do eyeliner and then foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like like makeup has just sort of been interesting because I think it is sort of a – it's like this very, like, feminine coded thing. And, like, I feel like for girls especially, like, it's almost, like, treated as this, like – or for people you, – you're sort of told when you're growing up, they're like, you're going to – get into makeup and you're going to learn about this. And it's this. And so I feel like a lot of people like, like for me, it was almost like a rejection when I was younger. Like I was like, I don't want to do this because usually if I was wearing makeup, someone was making me wear a dress and I was like, mm, yeah, not interested. Or it's for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. There's an expectation of it being mm-hmm. uh, a bait for yeah. a trap. Yeah. For a man trap. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, even you're you're a child. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. You're it's, supposed to. You're supposed to trap yeah. a, trap his ass. Yeah, um, he's gonna be a doctor. So yeah, that's right. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Wow. This has this. I would say this conversation. If I could have predicted how this was gonna go, mm-hmm. I would have been like, we're gonna probably talk about BuzzFeed quite a bit. We're probably not gonna yeah, talk about didn't... being from the suburbs of Chicago. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, but no, I, I feel like this has been great. It's uh, been really cool. Just talking to you about like identity presentation stuff I want to before we hit the end Mm -hmm. maybe um talk a little bit like about how I think well part of the reason I wanted to talk to you is because your job you're like doing something that I mean I this is true for me a little bit too Mm -hmm. is that like I'm providing thing a thing I definitely didn't have which is like easy access to somebody who has an identity that, like, I didn't see reflected to me yeah. very much. So, like, when I was a kid, like, I guess you could find queerness on TV. I wasn't allowed to watch those shows. Sure. And also it wasn't something I could, like, find by myself versus, yeah. like, because of phones and because of, like, rooms. There is um, – I mean, obviously you have to be able to, like, pay a phone bill. Totally. Um, but the the access to you and, like, the content that you're making is actually pretty pretty low bar. Yeah. Um, and so there's, like, somebody out there who – does have one or many of the right. identities that you have that can that can find you. Yeah. And and you actually are like putting out a lot of content for them. So totally. I, I guess I just wanted to talk about like um what it feels like to be able to do that. Like like how present that is for you in your mind or when you're making things. Are you thinking about that? Are yeah. You, you know? I mean it's I feel like and I talked to this like 
especially for the queer people at work and like the queer people of color, it's something we think about a lot. Um, because like, like you, like we didn't really, a lot of us like didn't really feel like there was a path for us. Like that was my whole thing when I was a kid is like, there's no path for me at all. Um, and I think we're like very cognizant of the fact that like BuzzFeed's audience, like as far as I can tell, um, I don't have the data, but like there are so many young people that watch BuzzFeed and watch our stuff. And like, I, like, I, I, I feel like, um, you know, I, I do feel like there's a reason to be making content sometimes just because like, we just want those people, those kids to like see our stuff and to like feel like there's a future because I, I I think like and that's maybe I'm tooting my own horn I think but nope, I, I started the tooting yeah no no so I, you then took it over <laughs> no okay great yeah. yeah beep beep but that's my friend Freddie's joke I can't anyway <laughs> um but so like I um actually when we worked when you uh and I met like two years ago it was for this show that I was making uh with my good friend Nikki Ong and it was called In the Closet, and we made it, um, Nikki and I, because we wanted to make a show that was, like, for young queer people. And we also were, like, we weren't specifically thinking it's going to be, like, an Asian-American show, but we were, like, Nikki and I are both Asian-American. By the nature of, like, being on this show, it's going to, like, give people—it's going to be an Asian-American show just because we're making it. And uh, we, like, specifically— made it and like geared it towards a younger audience because we just were like, this is something that we hope will create like a safe space for people online and we'll give them like a place where they can go and watch and like feel some sense of community, even if they don't have that in their real life. And like, we would moderate the comments extra hard, like do whatever we could to like curate like a place where the people that watched it felt like, Hey, this is, this can be like a, a base of some type or a home. And we still, like, we haven't, we've, like, we're moved on. We have to, like, we do work on, like, other stuff now. But that show, like, we still get messages. We get kids coming up to us, like, talking to us about, like, how it made them feel safer, how it, like, people felt, like, you know, they could see who they might be. Like, it was, it's comforting, I think, to people, even if they don't totally, like, always relate to me and to Nikki and I or to me or to anyone. It's, like, it, it just feels like there's options I think for people yeah I love that and I also think that um you know ch challenging like and it's not even challenging isn't even the right word providing any human being uh the opportunity to see like two Asian American people talk to each other almost as if there might be like 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 almost as if you might actually know each other like you and Nikki might actually know each other and have had a conversation because yeah. I just I feel like um when we when we think about like network TV mm -hmm. you know that that's just not something not necessarily something that is presented as like because the way that diversity has worked out in terms of casting is yeah. that it's like besides some very recent shows which we can literally name there are so few of them yeah it's like one of every type of person gets to be on the totally. show or like then there's like or there's the other option which is like it's like one character that's mm -hmm. everything that they're just yeah. like I'm a mix I'm a mixed race uh queer non-binary yeah. person yeah, 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 and like yeah. I'm I'm actually handling all the diverse like me <laughs> checking, singularly yeah, I'm ticking every box yeah um so yeah I mean it does like both things can be true that you can just be a person making content and that that's great. But it also is, I think it's really important to act. Yeah, to we're act purposeful right. about it too. Like, I think it's like, I think a lot, like there's, 
a lot of ways like people approach like representation, especially if like they feel like, you know, if there's like not that much else because it does create this pressure. But like I've always felt and like I've seen it with my friends who I'm always like inspired by at work too. But it's like there are times when you're just going to be you and like you being there is going to like fulfill a role and it's going to like create it's going to like mean something to someone and then there are also times where I think it is like really important to like be purposeful and like name yourself and like name what you're trying to do because it's sort of like like my you know our identities are not sort of like incidental so it's sort of like yeah exactly so it's kind of like you there's a the nice thing about I think digital media is that in some ways it can be very casual and it can be just like by being present you sort of are like you know, being creating this like opportunity for someone to see themselves. And then there are other ways where the nice thing is because of how much direct access we have to our audience. And because like we do have this thing where when you put something online, you get direct feedback. It allows us like we have, we can be really purposeful when we want to, and we can make videos that are specifically about like queer identity, Asian identity. Um, And it'll, it'll get to that audience because it's just sort of like, it's so easy to reach our stuff online. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And I also think it's important to to say that, like, it turns out everybody's identity is not incidental. Yeah, it's just this, that, like, straight, thing. white, cisgender men are presented as if they are mm-hmm. a void of identity. Like, that it's just, like, this is normative and right. this is zero and this yeah. is nothing. And those are actually all identities, which is mm-hmm. why, like, a term like identity politics is nonsense because we're— always operating from within all of our identities and everybody yeah. has them. It's just that some of them are less visible. So, wow. Yeah. Haven't we nailed it? Um, we, wow, yeah. This look, was... we are we are almost right at the end. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, the only thing I have left to do is to ask you to shout out a queero, um, okay. which is like a person or a place or, or, or thing that made you feel comfortable being the adult that you are today. It doesn't, I keep saying adult in some of these. The person. You don't have to be an the adult. Per- yeah. No, the no. no. I mean, the person that you are today. I am an adult. I do appreciate that, though. I will. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> gladly. Happy to, to wear the adult mantle. <laughs> um, no, that's I, I love that you do this. I think it's like very sweet. And I, I just think it's great that we can that people actually get to say this and talk about it. Um, a queer. OK, so I don't. Here's the thing. I never met this person in person, but her name was Linda. She was uh, in her 40s. She lived in Ireland. She was married. And when I was like first, the first time I asked, actually, when I asked that girl out at the pool. Yeah, um, I remember. I remember undercut. Yep. I uh, was on, I don't, I I don't think it's, it's not uh, active anymore, but I used to be very active on like the After Ellen forums. Uh And I, you know, there's a lot of people have different opinions about After Ellen, I think, but the we can go through themselves. the whole we yeah, can go through that's the like whole another podcast and timeline I'm sure. <laughs> and I and I will do that yeah point. I think that's actually that'd be really I'd love to listen to that I agree um, no but so I didn't couldn't really talk to that many people in my real life about what I was going through and about having this crush and wanting to ask out this girl so I just I made a thread on the forums and it was like it kind of picked up steam like people would respond to it and I would post because I saw the girl like twice a week at camp or at, at work so I would have a post like twice a week and like people were following it. But there was this one woman named Linda who 
uh, was always like super encouraging and like very kind to me and like would write me like long messages about like her life and her wife and like being married and how like you have to be confident and how you have to believe in yourself, blah, blah, blah. And what ended up happening with that girl is I did, I got ghosted and it was like my first, and it was like particularly devastating because I was 19 and it was the first person I asked out and I, I just wasn't really out. So getting ghosted was like devastating. And I had wrote, wrote on the thread being like, "Ugh, I wish I had like a happy ending for you guys, but I got ghosted, like real bummer, blah, blah, blah. And Linda like private messaged me and sent me this message being like, I just want you to know like this thread, this story in itself is a happy ending because like now you like feel brave enough and feel confident enough to do this. Like she pointed out that like in the thread I had mentioned that I had come out to a couple of friends and she was just like, I just want you to know that like I... Like, I'm going to read this and take this as, like, wow, what a what a good story of someone, like, growing up and feeling, like, more comfortable. And it was just, like, I wish I had gotten, like, her contact information. Like, I had tried to, like, after the forum shut down, I, like, tried to search for the thread so I could maybe find it. I don't know. Like, I had never, like, I did respond to it, that message, but I, I wish I had been able oh to, God, like, keep Linda. in touch and, like, one day tell her. Like, because I will never forget that. Like, it was one of the nicest, like, online interactions I'd had and she was just like I mean she was so cool she was just like just this Irish lesbian like chilling with her wife having a good time like you know like it was really cool so if I if anyone knows Alinda in Ireland (laughs) like tell her I say thank you (laughs) but yeah that's she's a queer of mine you know what I love about that is that um that follows exactly sort of you talking about I mean you probably have provided that space for someone else I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I'm like imagining that they're because of the work that you do and people meeting each other through like, for instance, like random Twitter responses or interactions, like yeah. when those go well versus sure. when those go poorly. And you said, you know, patrolling the comments and making sure that like that it's a safe space. I'm sure there's folks like I am sure that you have paid that forward because of your job. Thank I hope you. that yeah. you realize that. That's no, I I I hope so too. <laughs> yeah. I I think yeah. you not I hope so. Like, I think you have probably. So Thank good you. job. Thank you. Good job being the Linda that someone else needs. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Jen, um, do you want to one more time tell folks where they can find your stuff? Yeah. Please, uh, everyone, like, so my I, my show gets posted three times a week. We're on YouTube.com backslash Ladylike. You can check out all of our episodes. Um, and if you want to follow me on, like, Twitter, Instagram, I'm at Jen Rigatoni. <laughs> so just Jen and then that pasta because yeah. no one no one really can pronounce my last name but but yeah. rigatoni, rigatoni can they pronounce. can do they got it and it's it's like similar enough yeah there's, there's G's <laughs> and R's so we're good yeah it was really nice to talk to you it was so nice to be here thank yeah. you Cameron yeah thank yeah. you This week's episode of Query is sponsored by True & Co's True Body Bra. The original True Body Bra by TrueAndCo.com is the bra folks are talking about with over a half million people that have bought it and swear by it. You won't believe how good the True Body Bra looks when you put it on. Their buttery smooth fabric is so soft and fits in just the right places. It's got no wires, so it's super comfortable. Unlike other wire-free bras, the original True Body bra is made with proprietary fabric that still gives you the support you need. It took over six years of collecting data from seven million people to make this game-changing bra. So it's no surprise that TrueAndCo.com has sold over half a million of the original True Body bras. I think they got 
a real nice feel to them, friends. Holding one of my hands right now. And it's just, it's not on anybody. Just holding it. Try the original True Body Bra from True & Co. today with free and easy returns. Save 15% off when you go to trueandco.com slash query and enter the code query. That's T-R-U-A-N-D-C-O dot com slash query. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, Jazos. <laughs> Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.